0: Gentlemen, that is the mug zoom, the first mug zoom, second mug zoom of
1: 2020. Two down, lots more to go. Hello? It's going very well. It's very well. It's a new year, it's a new me. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking good. You're looking good. Well, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I grew this face myself.
0: Yes, we're all glowing, just. So bright and cheery! We've got a great guest with us today. Speaking of glowing, check out Will Dahlheimer with us today—the one and only. Good morning, Will.
2: Good morning, Brent. Great to be here. Yeah, maybe for uh, yeah. folks for folks
1: who haven't caught up with you before, we'll get you to Will. Just give yourself, give us the uh, the, the short bio
2: overview uh, of sure. yourself. I've been in the L and D field for over thirty years. Uh, the last 21, I've been running my own consulting practice, work-learning research, and what I try to do is to take the scientific research on learning, memory, instruction, and training, et cetera, and translate that into practical recommendations. And, uh, and I share what I've learned in research to practice reports, in uh, workshops, and speaking engagements, and consulting, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. I guess the other thing I've focused a lot on in the last 10 years or so on learning evaluation. So not only the science of learning, advocating for that, I'm doing some myth busting as well, um, but also now focusing on learning evaluation. Uh, it's my belief that, it's not my belief, but what gets <laughs> measured gets managed and sometimes we focus on the wrong things. and. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I've been focused on that. It's really actually really difficult, the learning evaluation stuff. Um, I sort of feel, even though I'm advocating for some innovations, et cetera, I still feel like a newbie at it, you know? It's still, it's really hard to wrap your head around. It's really complicated. So I think mm-hmm. we're all learning in that way. Yeah, so I think sure. that's about, that's a, that's a good introduction. Yep, and
1: Will's website, if you haven't been there folks, uh, Lightbulb Joe tossed in the, uh, the, the URL for that, to, Tons and tons of resources that are there lots of lots of helpful things for uh, for anybody doing stuff in our space so. um, and it is as we've said a, a new year um, and a new us we've all changed we uh, the calendar clicked over we all shed our 2019 skin we've put that away and we're now growing our our, our new skin for the year um, which you know led to us thinking well what are the things that we can do uh, and improve and change and, and new habits etc that we can start bringing forward in our in our work life. I mean, you know, I'm already going to the gym five times a day uh, in the new year. <laughs> so you look yeah, good. Yeah, Woo. so so my good I don't shows. need I don't need help in my personal life, it's just my professional life that I need to set some new goals in. So <laughs> well, there we go.
2: Why go to the gym? Why not just do there it right here in the office? Right Perfect, right there, everybody. Right there.
1: <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> if if you pull out the sword and the shield again in in, in this conversation,
2: then we're then we're totally rocking. I've, I've got rocking a, I've the props. got a new prop now. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> cutting cutting right to the chase. <laughs> there we
1: go. I'm, I'm seeing a whole Ginsu knife commercial starting up here now. It'll cut through anything. <laughs>
2: yeah. it'll cut but through. Wait, the, if you act now, <laughs> uh, cuts through Addie with just one stroke. I'm a firm believer in props you know because anything that takes the focus away from you know this face (laughs) 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 we all suffer from that
1: we all suffer from that so and it makes (laughs) things memorable too so
0: hey you know what i just want to toss in here real quick so that the risk of changing the subject too harshly i think for the whole as I speak for the industry as a whole, I like to think and just say thank you to you for all of the work that you do with breaking down the research and sharing as much as you do publicly. It's so difficult for us out in the practicing world to get a hold of academic research because a lot of it's behind paywalls and expensive journals and all that kind of stuff, and you've always been so good about sharing and like and breaking it down and helping us less academics apply that stuff. So thank you, thank you a hundred percent. You've you've helped well, thank us. Thank you
1: great. very much. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, totally. Um, so new year, new us, new L and um, if Will, if you could tell people to change one thing or encourage them, you know we can't force people. We all know that. Uh, where would we start with a with a New Year's resolution for L and D?
2: Wow. Um, I mean, we can have many things
1: if you want. I
0: was going to say that's a yeah, one. Let's well, that's, three, maybe. You know, <laughs> the,
2: well, the <laughs> wow, one thing. Um, you know, I think. Uh... Well, you know, the biggest mistake we make when we're designing training is we try to teach too much. I guess I've been advocating this for for years, but we still need to remember this. We try to cram too much content. And when we do that, we're not able to provide the learning supports that help us reinforce uh, what's learned. So instead of teaching 100 things, you know, we ought to teach 30 things and then really go into those and provide all the Things we know from the research are valuable. So, uh, realistic practice, feedback, uh, spacing uh, out of repetitions over time, um, making sure it's aligned with the context, it's relevant. All those things reinforce. Um, because if if we don't do that, we just teach people stuff, and they forget it. <laughs> so that's that's you know that's sort of the the main thing. Make sure that you're including the the science of learning supports that are valuable. But also another thing is to remain skeptical, right? Um, In all fields, and particularly in our field, we jump from one fad to another. We hang on sanctimoniously to things that don't work that well. Um, I'm a real big believer in the the thing from the medical profession, first do no harm. And uh, if we remember that, if we remain skeptical, if we don't Automatically, you know, if a vendor tells us, "Oh, we've got AI and it's great," well, let's be a little bit skeptical and find out. Well, do you really have it? And does it really work? Uh, is it u- useful? Is it worth the cost-benefit trade-off, etc.? Um, skepticism is a really valuable thing. Um, so, I, you know, I'll, I'll throw out those two things to get started. Mm-hmm skepticism
1: we um you know we have a lot of things that we get taught by osmosis in our business right because so many of us come into this field sideways we learn from the people around us we do what we've been you know our organization has already been doing because that's now our um you know our job um as well and so there are so many things and and even just our own experiences in education we all you know so many of us the majority of us, I guess, in the in the Western world, went went to school, and it looked like this, and this is how it happened. Someone at the front, the rest of us sitting in rows, and uh, you know those sorts of things, and that that really does form, um, you know, not unlike say, you know, you see the political world where people form, you know, have an identity, um, and and facts then sometimes they'll have to be aligned with that <laughs> or, or ignored, et cetera. Um, but it's it's a it's, you know it's a truism in our own space as well. We have a an identity that we. have about what a training thing should be, etc., and uh, and letting go of that is a is a tough thing.
2: Absolutely, and and you see that often. Uh, and and I just want to uh, emphasize something. You say there's people that flood into our industry every year, and they're brand new. Mm-hmm. And you know sometimes you know there's subject matter experts that have to train something, right? And we might give them a three-day sheep dip, right? These are how you need to learn you know. create learning. And, and that's not good enough, right? We really, ought to, for them, we ought to have like a year-long immersion in what to do so that they're you know, following the consistent models and recommendations that are out there. We don't do that. And so we got people from all these different perspectives, which is good. It enables us to be more innovative and creative. But at the same time, we don't always have a foundation of common body of, of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a problem. And I see this when I go out and do consulting. I used to go and would make recommendations to teams, right? I'd go in, I'd do a, a, a learning audit, research benchmark it, et cetera, and then I'd share my recommendations. And, you know, because people didn't understand where they were coming from, and I'm fairly good at, you know, making them, you know, understandable. But still, because there's all these different perspectives, um, people heard the recommendations in different ways, and then the team didn't coalesce around a way to go forward. So now what I do when I make those recommendations is I offer what I call a, a learning backgrounder, right? Like 90 minutes or three hours of background information on the science of learning, the things that work, the things that don't work. And that really gets teams be more aligned. But that's a real problem. You know, we we all come we come from many different backgrounds. Some of us are have been focused on learning for a long time. We've got academic background. and some of us are, you know, they were salespeople, but and they were training other salespeople and they're really good at that and et cetera. So uh, yeah. And Chris, it's funny that all podcasts and video casts now, they're all becoming political. I noticed you mentioned a little bit about the political world. <laughs> I had to comment on that.
1: Uh. it's uh it's a zany world that we live in, that's for
2: sure. It is
0: a zany world. And I it's one of the things that I've run into uh in the past too is when you're when you're trying to go in and when when you're trying to go in and teach some of those subject matter experts how to be better instructors, that's exceptionally complicated because they think they know everything because they're the subject matter expert or they've been teaching for so many years, or it's when I went through medical school, this is how I was taught. And so I can't imagine that anybody else needs it any other way too. And so damn it, this is how I'm going to do it. And I don't need you punk kid coming in here telling me how to teach
2: the colon. Right. Right. (laughs) yeah. You know, um, uh reminds me of the dunning kruger effect right you know uh those who what, what, uh, what is that us a little background around that. oh well the dunning kruger effect is simply that those of those who have you know in any field you know some of us are more experts than others and you know the three of us for example have some expertise but if we went over into oncology or something we'd be you know rookies right so uh the dunning kruger effect is Shows that those who have the least knowledge are sometimes the most confident, and uh, you know that can be that can be true of us as well and subject matter experts as you say. You know, I started teaching an online workshop. Um, I call presentation science, and I get at this very thing. It's really for people who uh, want to make better presentations, whether they're training presentations or not, and I take sort of a science of learning approach to it. And everybody, when we talk about presentations, well, what's your goal? We want to engage the audience. Well, that's great, and we should do that. But um, I have a little model I call it LRA. So E is for engagement. But we also ought to help people learn, remember, and act. And that sort of opens up you know, people's eyes to some of these other things that they should be focusing. On. And I think you know, that's one of the big uh, missing opportunities in our field is the notion of supporting, remembering, and action. So we can help people remember or understand things. And if I'm a trainer, I look in people's eyes and I can see whether they've got it or not. But I'm going to have a hard time knowing if they're going to be able to remember it. Because I'm not going to see them. When I was a leadership trainer, I would go out and I would teach a program. And at first, I wasn't very good at it. But eventually, I got pretty good at it. I would get applause at the end and thank yous and all that. But I never saw those people again. I don't know if they remembered what I taught them. I don't know what obstacles they faced. so you know that old sort of training as an event model. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed that I was involved in that, and uh, you know, we got to get beyond that.
0: We all were, right, Chris? You did training as an event too. I mean, come on. We can all. That's all. You know, I'm. I'm a former trainer. Hello, my name is Brent. I'm a former trainer, and. I have- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's the leaving of the brain dump, and then you know nothing nothing after that, which is of course uh, an ideal place to actually start doing things like uh, you know um, space learning, uh, etc. Which is something that Will has done lots of uh, public work on. Um, we do have a question, so I wanted to scroll back.
2: And by the way, thank you all for your comments. There, hi Joe, um, appreciate the the. Uh, Kind words there, and everybody else is speaking. Yeah. What's the question?
1: So, so, Jason in the chat said, asks, would the mastery in one area help in subject matter mapping in an area that they're not as familiar? And it's an interesting. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm somewhat parsing the question still myself. So I'll repeat it: Would the mastery in one area help in subject matter mapping in an area that they're not as familiar? Um, Um, and it kind of relates. There's another question, uh, in the question panel from Helena, what is your process of conducting a learning audit? And I think maybe there's a bit of potential overlap in those. So my my, 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 my reaction, my reaction to Jason's is sort of like, well, we do have structures and we do have processes and frameworks and things that we can. May not always be applicable, but things that we can do, for,
2: that patterns and, and, and such that we can repeat from, from one area to another. Sure. I think maybe maybe Jason's asking, well maybe we'll just parse the question the way we yeah. want to. How's that? Hey, <laughs> Jason, 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 correct us. In, correct, correct us if we're wrong. But, you know, the subject matter experts, they might be an expert in, you know, how to handle insurance claims or how to do uh, onboarding or how to do whatever, right? And But they're not experts in learning. You know, they know some things about learning. They probably know some things that are correct, some things that are incorrect. Um, you know, the things that have I've seen work are, uh, first of all, you know, I like to use the learning and forgetting curves, right? Because people go, oh, wow, people learn and, oh, they also forget. <laughs> and that just makes them think, well, what do, what's my responsibility? What can I do? And then you talk about, well, there's some things you can do to, support remembering, and minimize forgetting. What are those things? Well, let me give you three of them. And I talk about retrieval practice and context alignment and spacing. And then they go, oh yeah, I've got to do these things. Um, I'll I'll give you an example. I was working with the Navy SEALs and uh, Special Operations Force, and this was their they had a 65 week this is their original training program 65 week that's over a year long for those who are counting and you know obviously they didn't want me to do a learning audit um, because that would have taken a lot of time and cost a lot of money and my wife would have divorced me even though san diego is very nice um but uh you know too much time so what we did was we created a three-day workshop and um i used the Decisive dozen—the 12 most important learning factors—a model that I have, and we went down through each of the 12 items. And I was working with uh, Navy SEALs, the instructors who are, you know, experienced Navy SEALs, and their learning architects, their instructional designers, e-learning developers, etc. And they were in the classroom, and the commander of the base was there too. <laughs> and I was very nervous because, you know, it's the first time I'd. Uh, work with this audience so I didn't know how it would go but basically we went through each of the learning factors one at a time I said okay this is how retrieval practice works and then I put blue tape across the wall in one of their classrooms and two lines above the top line is okay how are what you're doing aligned with the learning right now aligned with the learning research below the bottom line how are you misaligned how are you not doing what you should be doing and in the middle you know, what are you not sure of or what are you doing in a mediocre way? And by going through one of these research principles at a time and enabling them to really do the audit themselves, they were the eyes and the ears. And then I would chime in, they'd ask me questions, and I'd say, No, nah, that's not quite right, or that's exactly right. Um, but they got by it. And they said, okay, we can do this better, we can do this better. And then at the end, we did some action planning. And so that's... Um, I used to call that an immersive learning audit. Um, now I just call it a learning audit workshop. Uh, so that's when they are the eyes and ears. If I do a regular learning audit, I'm still using some taxonomy like the Decisive Dozen. I really like that. Um, I've yeah. also used the uh, learning maximizers model, which is a little bit different. But, um, you know, you have, you have some a rubric and you basically say, this is what you're doing well. This is what you're not doing so well but i do like sort of the learning audit workshop idea because people think for themselves they bring in their wisdom because even as an outsider i can't possibly see everything that they're doing they can see that better than i can so there's some real advantages there Mm
0: -hmm. oh sorry go ahead
2: i was just gonna
1: say that it turns the exercise into one generating intrinsic motivation to change and do different verses. Thou shalt.
2: Yeah, the outsider you. coming in, right? You know, totally. That, that, how well does that work?
1: Especially if you're not part of that culture uh, to begin with, so you're not seen as someone having necessarily, potentially, anyway, expertise or or knowledge and a level of, let's say, you know, trust to be part of the the that that group. So you're an outsider and therefore, um, you know, telling people what to do. But switching it over to them generating the basically the change program, it uh, turns it into intrinsic motivation. Very cool. I like that. Well,
2: and notice we talked earlier about how we've got people from all different backgrounds that come to the field. By doing this sort of workshop, you're getting everybody to talk together. You're sort of getting everybody mm-hmm. to sing from the same sheet of music. You know Whether they're you know constructivists or behaviorists or they know nothing or whatever, they come in and go, oh, well, that's how it works. This is what we should be doing they work in teams they're deciding what their future is going to be what they want to work on and what they want to maintain that's really good so you know they do that together so it it gets the team together i I, i'm actually surprised you know we're learning professionals we're sort of like the shoemakers the kids don't have good shoes we in learning don't often spend time on our own learning (laughs) and there's two aspects there you know getting some training for ourselves but also getting feedback from outside source to make sure we can see our blind spots i don't see us doing that as much as we we could be doing i don't know what are your thoughts on that what what do you guys see in that mm-hmm. are well i getting thinking, the learning that we need i mean
1: uh, it, it it's so hard i mean i follow lots of blogs and, and you're skimming through and you go oh that sounds but then moving from reading a blog if you even have time to pause past a headline or a couple of paragraphs, moving from that into being able to even expect, uh, spec out time in your schedule to reflect on something, let alone beginning to um, act on something is a real, um, it's a definite challenge for
2: sure.
0: Yeah, I have, I have a hard time keeping my own personal learning structured like that, right? And so I totally get what you're saying. I'm i like, I'm, I'm like Chris, I, I listen to podcasts. I'll scan through some blogs. I can't even honestly say that I read them cover to cover. Uh, you know, most of the time I get the gist, I move on, uh, but I think... I think we're in a mildly different spot because I think learning looks different when you are in a particular, when you're focused in a particular area and you've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, and it's a, it's your, you're at sort of a different place. I think, I think it's very different. I think the hardest thing for us is that remembering what it was like to be new right for me and that's why that's why i have so much fun talking to those people that you mentioned earlier too about that that are brand new to the industry i absolutely love hearing from those folks when they reach out to me and say i'm new to this i just got asked to be a trainer a couple of years ago and i've been doing it ever since but i have really no idea what i'm doing <laughs> and i would <I'd laughs> like to i'd like to get better at it where should i start you know that's
1: well, a question what do you I tell <laughs> What do you tell? Yeah, I,
0: I, I say let's start with a phone call because it is it's like uh, you know or or at least let's chat or you know listen jump into one of our our live streaming collaborative casts like this every week and just kind of ease yourself into it start listening to the conversations listen for the things that you don't understand. Um, like, I mean, we've been dropping some fantastic nuggets in the chat and your website obviously is a wealth of knowledge, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, what um, you know, what I, what I wanted us to get to a little bit today was something tactical. I mean, one of my goals in 2020 is to my my word of the year is specific. Sorry to go off on a weird tangent, but, and so I want like everything I do to at least have one level of something very specific and tactical. And we've got some time left this morning. And so I, I hope, it, we can either do this now or at some point, if we could just dial it down and get tactical with like maybe the forgetting curve or something like that. Like, What is something that everybody can do differently? And this relates to the resolution stuff that is is something that they can apply right away to be okay. doing differently to help people with that forgetting curve and to to learn like we've talked a lot about it right we've been very theoretical that's where what is a good one
2: wow wow there's so many um well, let's take uh let's take that's why uh, it's hard for me
0: to tell new people what to do first because there's a lot <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's huge. So, you know, maybe we should simplify it. Okay. Um, Well, so I'm just going to use LRA, you know, uh, engagement, learning, remembering, and action as a, as a way to wrap our heads around this because it's too huge to do everything. And obviously you want to do more than LRA, but let's, let's start there. So um, engagement, let's start with that. Okay. So how can we engage people better? Well, oftentimes we're using a tool to do our presentations, whether you're online or you're in front of a classroom. Um, we use like bullet points, okay? Now bullet points, we've all seen bullet points for years and years and years. And so they remind us of boredom, right? And they're painful. The trigger. <laughs> so let's get rid of bullet points. And there's ways to do that instead of, um, you know, Presenting bullet points, we can present things as objects, right? So um, we can we can we can chunk them up. So instead of having a bullet, you have an object. You know, you still use the you still have some words there, but you have an object that goes with it. It doesn't look like a bullet point. So that's one way. You can also spread your bullet points across your slides. So if you have five items in a bullet point list, instead of doing that. You can have five slides, going to one of them at a time. Um, there was an old belief that you should have one slide and then speak to it for ten minutes. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That is bad. It doesn't attach, <laughs> doesn't align with our human cognitive functioning. Um, yeah. So that's that's one thing for engagement. How's that? Um, so for learning, what can we do to support people in learning? Um, well, we can use worked examples as one, right? Instead of, instead of just uh, showing people examples we can work you know take them through it one thing at a time break it down um, then have them work the whole thing together that's uh, something useful for engage for learning you know most of us are pretty good at engagement and learning but when it comes to remembering an action they're harder so remembering I'll just give you the three things that I think are really important one is um, context alignment so this is the notion that uh, in in your learning situation, you should use some of the contextual elements that people will face later in their performance situations. So let me make it simple. That's a context alignment, sounds jargony. You want to simulate, right? You want to simulate as much as possible, give people practice in that. And the second item is retrieval practice. So don't just have people passively listen had them actually have to retrieve information from memory, like they're going to have to do in the real world, and that doesn't mean rote retrieval or you know regurgitation. It could be practicing a skill. When you're practicing a skill, you have to remember what you've learned. And the third thing is spacing, spacing repetitions out over time. So instead of offering, um, you know, a full day workshop, you know, break it down into two sessions instead. And repeat things from one to another. If you don't have that logistical capability, I mean, ideally you might might want to space it out over a month or whatever, but you know, we can do that. That's great. Um, but even within a training, even within like a 90-minute online training session, right? I can introduce a topic early on and then repeat, you know, repeat it and, and come back to it, not repeat the exact same thing, but give people practice, have discussions, et cetera. So you repeat it through the 90 minutes. That's a powerful way to, to support that. Um, and then the f- final one, action. How can we, people take, how can we have, help people take action? So I'll give you one thing. You know, we all talk about having goals, action plans at the end. Well, those are useful, but they're not good enough. And we should have people, you know, what are, you, what are the two things you want to take away and do something with right away? Okay, great. That's the goal. Um, But we can also use this thing called triggered action planning. And this is the idea that um, don't just have a goal, but have a specific time, situation, context, where you're going to start working on this goal. Okay, so uh, let's say I'm teaching leadership training and I teach about a particular thing. Well, when are you going to use this? Oh, I'm going to use this at my very next staff meeting. I'm going to start to apply this. You know, Maybe I'm trying to help people be more creative. I'm going to do a new brainstorming method. Well, when are you going to use this? Well, oh, at my next staff meeting, I'm going to use it. So um, the idea here is that if we um, help people connect to their context, the context will then remind them of what they learn and what they want to do. So that was a long run. So <laughs> I'm going to let you guys respond to that.
1: <laughs> um- go ahead with something if you've got in mind brent i'm just going to scan back through the chat because there was a lot going yeah, no, on no for-
0: that's great no and, that, and that's perfect that's exactly the kind of tactical stuff i'm i'm looking for i think folks um you know to to take it down even another level is you know to to spread out that content right even just making small this is where technology i think is the most valuable for us not necessarily in the immediate training or the teaching or the instruction but that after the instruction part right being able to help people practice that recall right there's you know apps like duolingo and things like that do that really well in the sense that they they'll they'll ping you and say hey you know what you haven't logged in in a day you've probably forgotten a few things we're gonna dial you back and you know cue you a little bit to see, you know, if you're remembering this stuff and, you know, and so they'll give you little tiny cues and they'll just sort of drip it out to you over time. And they kind of manage that spacing process. And I think that's something that we should be much more active in from a technology perspective, but I don't really see it engaged that much. A lot of what we do is still, how can we take the technology and make it, still create that one event and then forget it let's move on to the next thing and create that event even if it's a a learning course or whatever right i mean i think supporting that long-term learning process is the most important thing we should be using technology for but that's just me
2: i know absolutely you're right i've, I've been reading this book on how to uh, help people develop habits it's by wendy wood i highly recommend it i'm not i haven't got through the whole thing yet but Highly recommend it, and what she says is, if you want to help people develop a new habit, it can take like I think she said the average, and they've looked at this. The average is like sixty-six days, you know, you know. So that that's like, how can you? You can't repetition, right?
0: This is what we talk about with repetition. You got (laughs) to do it over and over and over again before it becomes a habit.
2: Yeah. So think about how we design training. You know, I give a one day training on how to champion change and then there you go, go off and go do it. And I can, you can set actions, you can do triggered action planning, but that's still not enough. Ideally you'd have coaching, you'd have a whole focus on it. Maybe you'd buddy up with somebody, you know, but you'd have to like integrate it into your, you know, your behavioral repertoire and just doing it for like a day or two. It's just nuts. It just doesn't, it doesn't, It doesn't align with what we know about human cognition. So, you know, a lot of this, and and that, you know, I think a lot of this really goes back to what we can get permission to do in our field. Because I'm sure a lot of people listening in, watching in now are going, wow, I I wish my organization would let me do that. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys, you guys have been working in the field a long time too? You, you, You know any ways that we can? In, in 2020, in this new year, where we're supposed to have perfect vision, is there any way we can get these kind of things to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's the
0: first time I've actually thought of it like that. You're right, what a great way to visualize 2020. It's a it's clear, perfect vision in 2020, I love that.
1: Mm, I think sometimes uh, things like change are, are easier if you do them without permission in the sense that, and and um, you, you know, but not necessarily just chucking everything out and saying, no, I'm going, but if you can model something different and new, then people can have the picture of it and can see where it's it's going um, in that, from that regard. Um, uh, we were talking about this in second last episode before the, the Christmas break, a bit about the make up a small model of something uh, or, or whatever so that people can see the thing as opposed to it just being told um, and then they can buy into the the potential value for a, a change um, uh, as a way of at least you know helping people bridge from again, it, it sort of moves you from thou shalt or we shall, and people going, whoa, you're forcing something on me to, yeah, i'm I'm buying in and let's let's do something
2: Chris, you've created an explosion on the <laughs> Chat here, people love this idea. So it looks like your audience is filled with people who are champions, they're just going to go out there and do shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so go do it, go
1: do shit, people. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, go, thank you.
0: <laughs> well, geez, uh, look at the time, everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Guys, break stuff, but gentle. Remember that first thing that uh, that we pointed out: first, do no harm, right? So we're not being we're not being reckless in not getting permission or 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 trying to evoke change. Uh, we're doing it with a, a you know a purpose, a value. Have research that uh, that help can back back you up and guide you, um, and that you can use that if that has to be part of the conversation. Um, yeah, then give it a try. And it's, it's just
0: smart too. I think one of the things that I may have brought up when the same episode you were talking about was the fact that if you, if you think about this from a different perspective of like venture capitalists, for example, when they're looking at somebody coming to them with an idea and they're looking to give them a million dollars to invest in their thing, rarely do they just go, wow, that's a great idea in your head. We're going to just give you some money to go ahead and do it. No, they you've got to be pretty far down the road with some sort of prototype thing and be able to show it to them so that they can see it and go, Oh, I know what you're trying to do. Now, what you're saying matches what you've done and built. We will definitely support that and throw some money at you. And that You know, I I mean, I I think in certain cases they do give money to people with just ideas, but I think it's an exceptionally rare case from everything I've heard. But so I think from an influential standpoint, that's the kind of thing we need to do. We need to be more rogue in some of these things that we want to try instead of sitting around saying, nobody gives me a seat at the table. (laughs) Amy's
1: got a, Amy's got a great comment. I think many of us trap ourselves thinking we need someone to say it's okay. Uh, but if you change your perspective and mindset to one of experimental or trying something out, then I think that self-prescribed barrier can come down.
2: I, I, and, uh, and Christine I like is asking that.
1: for us to put it on a mug. So Yeah, let's put it on the mug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of nuggets today that should go on the mug. You know, I don't think we have <laughs> enough room. We're going to have to
2: have a collection of different mug sayings, I think. Uh,
1: saying. we, need, we need a series of mugs
2: now. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, collectors, you know, and then maybe you could, uh, you know, restrict some of them and so they'll become like collector's items, right?
0: Oh, now you're talking. Yeah. I think Amy's comment is a great place for us to start wrapping this up today. What do you say, Chris?
1: I think so. Um, Will, thanks so much as always for joining us. Lots of great, uh, I don't know, we always end up going in so many directions, but it's always so valuable, all of those directions. Um, and we really do appreciate you taking us taking time and joining us this morning, and and helping us start the new year off in a
2: great way. Well, I am delighted to help you look toward uh, twenty twenty with uh, you know some real benefits. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. We'll, uh,
0: we'll get a mug in the mail for you. That's
2: it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's Everyone a great pleasure. check
0: out his website. <laughs>
2: Thanks, everybody, for joining us today,
1: and let's, uh, let's have a dance out before we,
0: uh, before let's we forget. Let's do And let me have a picture for next week's episode, too. We got Kevin Thorne coming back on for a repeat um, Drink and Draw. If you guys missed Drink and Draw last time with Kevin Thorne, uh, that was a ton of fun. We're going to do it again. So drink some coffee and learn how to draw and sketch and be a better instructional designer with Kevin next week. So sign up, click that Save Your Spot button. And uh, we'll uh, see you guys next week. Let's dance.
2: Thanks everybody. Thanks again, Will. Thank you guys. Great fun. With the doom.